We all need support and community. And as a listener of the Natural Healing Podcast, we want to extend a special invitation for you to join ours. Visit a centerfornaturalhealing.com forward slash welcome to be a part of our global online community. You'll get a free five-step guide to fatigue relief, along with exclusive weekly insights and health tips that we only share via email. Join now at acenterfornaturalhealing.com forward slash welcome. We look forward to seeing you there. We are delighted to have the opportunity to share this beautiful two-part series with you with and Cecil Sturman on the power of intention. In the first episode, we talked a little bit about how Anne has transformed her practice going towards doing more remote healing and what it takes to move in the direction of doing this kind of healing for ourselves and others by expanding our consciousness. In this episode, we're going to touch a little bit more deeply on the role of your emotions and thoughts and how we can return to a state of joy by transforming and building a healthier mindset as well as emotions and how our thoughts can interfere with this process. You're also going to learn about why your heart-kidney connection is so important as well as the connection between your emotions and your thoughts and how emotions manifest inside of your body and the way that you can start to leverage a lot of this to begin manifesting or receiving more of what you want in your life. Enjoy. the Natural Healing Podcast, the show designed to guide, inspire, and empower you to elevate your health so you can achieve your goals and dreams. We are your hosts, Dr. Satara Moafi and Salvador Cephalou, a husband and wife team of acupuncturists and owners of a Center for Natural Healing, an integrative wellness clinic based in the heart of Silicon Valley. We're here to make the ancient wisdom of healing practical and accessible for your modern lifestyle. One thing I wanted to actually talk about, we talked a little bit about joy, but I want to kind of get your ideas and about like the role that you feel the other emotions play in the healing process. And we can just stick to the five element emotions because obviously there's a wide spectrum of emotions and we don't want to get into every single one. That is such a great question. I mean, that's just a brilliant question. And I, I think that the emotions serve as signals for the discovery of their underlying thought. So you can't have an emotion without attaching to a thought. Mm-hmm. And so the reason that you're angry is that you're believing a thought about something. And from that belief of a thought comes the emotion and the emotion is plain for you to see. The belief in the thought is not plain for you to see, but the practitioner can see the emotion in play and then peel that back 
find the operating belief and then communicate the heart and the kidneys in such a way that the free will that we have, which we use to choose which thoughts we believe and which thoughts we don't believe, becomes in alignment with the heart again so that that belief can be dropped and joy can be returned. So ultimately, you're always trying to get back to that state of joy. You're trying to open the heart. Yeah, that's our natural state. Mm. You know, we only have to look at a baby. Just look at a baby or a toddler and they, well, for the most part, (laughs) they're in a state of joy. When they're not in a state of joy, it's very fast. You know, they, they are frustrated or they're angry or someone took their toy and then they get the toy back and they're joyous again. <laughs> I mean, it's marvelous. It's miraculous, but it's also innately human. And the I think one of the things we're supposed to be working toward is getting back to that extremely youthful joyfulness that's automatic once those underlying thoughts have been uh, challenged and and dropped mm-hmm. we live in a in a field of thought humanity exists in a field of thought and thoughts never stop i think i i'm not that into studies but i did read one about how um it it's thought that we have about 90,000 thoughts a day mm-hmm. and that 95 or 98% of them we had the day before. <laughs> so oh we get in, into ruts without thinking. And one of the meanings of heart-kidney communication or, or really one of the meanings of free will, free will originating in the kidneys, is that the free will that we have is to be used, best used perhaps, in choosing what we think. or choosing what thoughts we attach to is believing this thought going to expand my consciousness and my health or is believing this thought going to detract from it and then the interplay of heart and kidneys in let's say all the channels that that take care of that be the you know second trajectory of the chong or the bladder divergent channel or or what else yin wei mai all these these channels that reconnect heart and kidneys and get that communication happening again, one of their their purposes is to remind us that we cannot be joyous if we're going to have, what's that term that Jeffrey loves to use, psychosclerosis, which mm-hmm. I think is mm. a fantastic term. That's a great, yeah, that's a great word. Like the, the cemented mind. Right. And so the, the emotions are signals they're unmistakable signals that the mind is going off on a, a destructive tangent. I love that you mentioned that you, it's important to have the free will to choose because I think when we're in a state of consciousness or when we're just conscious in general, to be able to observe our minds is not who we are, but just the choices that we're making and filling our minds yes. with. That's so liberating. And also to remember that your thoughts are not yours, at least not all of them. When you talked about that pool of thought, I think that's the word that you used, that we're living in. Yes. It's a composition or a compilation of thoughts of not just the millions of people 
who surround us, but also, or billions of people, but also the generations before us. So the ancestry, like it's just everybody's thoughts compiled into one. And then we kind of retrieve from that pool, the thoughts that we want to think. And if we think of it that way, then we can choose the right thoughts to help us get to the end or the goal that we're wanting to move toward in our lives. And let the ones that don't contribute to that go through to the keeper, mm. as we say in Australian cricket. Do you say that? In the, do we say that in the states? Do we say through to the keeper? No. Oh, that's an Australian cricket term, you know, where the the, the batsman's facing the ball, and um, and if and he might take a swing at the ball, and if he misses, the ball goes through to the wicket keeper. Right? Mm. The, just goes just goes right, and and that's what we need to do with nearly all of our thoughts is let them go through to the keeper. So, so the keeper will catch the thought and it just misses us entirely. That's exercising free will. That's exercising the chi of the kidneys. And the kidneys are the seat of destiny. So the what we're really being shown is you could attach to any of these thousands of thoughts, actually there are not many thoughts in existence, but you could attach to any of these thousands of thoughts in existence, what are you going to choose? Are you going to choose to believe things that are in alignment with your destiny? In which case, everything between the heart and the kidneys is in free flow. You're completely inspired. You're moving moving forward. Your consciousness is expanding. Or are you going to believe things that are not resonant with destiny and stymie destiny, slow it down, which will create illness? So really the whole thing originates in the mind governed by free will, which is what we're, we're given. We're, we're blessed with free will and the responsibility to our bodies is really to follow that free will in accordance with the resonance of destiny. You're making me think like if you don't um, allow that free will to unfold the way our destiny is, perhaps you could say programmed to do so, you know, the, the uh, emotion tied into the kidneys, which is the, which is the foundation of our will, is uh, the emotion is fear. So it's like as we contra- if we contract that, we're contracting that in fear. And that's what I was thinking as you were talking. And and all these yeah. other emotions that that we experience, the anger of the wood element in the liver, the worry of the spleen and the earth element, the judgment, the biases of the metal element in the in the lungs, you know, all those are related, I mean, are rooted, it seems like, in fear. You know, that's what if we could just basically get back to our trusting ourselves, and that's another virtue of the kid kidneys is faith and trust getting back to the mm-hmm. to the virtue of the kidneys then we could uh we could have a better connection you know with the heart and the heart of course is about about love and you know that's that's really the ultimate emotion to try to cultivate in life i'm not sure where that's going it's just thoughts that were coming through as you were talking yeah, I th- totally agree. Absolutely agree. And that feeling of love really you could define as 
the absence of interference with joy, which leaves us in a, pl- in a space of love where where we can really be with whatever is and not judge it and see the gift in it. What's the message? If it makes us uncomfortable, what's the gift in it? And finding that that faith and trust, you know, this might push some people's buttons, you know, and, and from a religious perspective, but to find it within ourselves, you know, that's like the integrity of our kidneys essence and the kidney chi that comes out of that. But it's uh, it's rooted in having a strong sense of, of self where we're not going to be reacting in all these other emotions as well. Right. I, I just think, you know, well, we live in a in a society, especially in, in our modern society, where people are burned out, you know, they're exhausted, their kidneys are, are, are pretty depleted. It's easy for these other emotions to just always be surfacing, whether it's, you know, depression or or the anxiety, you know, the imbalance between the heart and kidney itself, you know, and you're getting this too much fire in the heart. The rage, the anger, that's pretty predominant in, throughout the world. It always comes back to uh, if people just had a sense of trust and, and felt, I think, just better about themselves, it's, it's just going to be a more peaceful world in general. We're not going to be so inflamed. Yeah. It reminds me of a quote I just picked up from Jim Carrey that I have to share with you guys because it's just so beautiful. What? I think I shared it with you, but it's, you know, the difference between, he talks about the difference between hope and faith, because I think as a society, we focus on hope too much. We're hopeful that this will change. We hope that this will get better. He says, I don't believe in hope. Hope is a beggar. Hope walks through the fire and faith leaps over it. Isn't that so good? Mm-hmm. So that's all about the kidneys. The kidneys connecting with the heart, you know, and then the heart could just blow up. I like to say there's hope and then there's certainty. And hope is like wishing, like the thing is outside of yourself. But if you use, cert- right, if you use certainty, which is the antithesis of hope, you might not even have any idea what's coming through, what's going to happen, but you can be certain that it's going to be the right thing. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Hope, there's still some doubt yeah. there. Yes, hope comes with doubt. That's why he says hope is a beggar. That's yeah. so good. Like if we hope, then it's like, well, we're open to it being bad also, but we hope it'll be good. Yeah. Whereas like you said, Anne, if you're with certainty or with yeah. faith, it's we know that no matter what the outcome is, it's going to be to our benefit. Yes. And that's uh that's why the act of manifesting or or the the people who have to plan things to the nth degree, it's going to be like this and then I'm going to do that and then in 2 years I'm going to get married and then I'm <laughs> going to do this and then I'm going to buy a house and then I'm going to do this and then and they've got it all planned out. They even have it on their whiteboard. Right? <laughs> and sometimes that person will tell me that and, and I'll say, what if something even better is going to happen than all that? Absolutely. And I'll say, what could possibly be better? But, you know, when people drop all that, when they drop all the manifesting and they drop all the the projecting forward and, and all the hopes and things, really what they invariably find 
is that what comes in is far beyond what they could possibly have imagined. Yeah. And so to liberate oneself and just allow, it's very, very strengthening. When you were talking about that whiteboard um, and all the listing, now I have to say sometimes I think creating a little structure is good because I I could use that and and I have used that when I've tried to um, to manifest something in my life and it took me a very long time to actually write it down and it was because if I write this down it kind of limits what could manifest you know and then I got to the point where I just realized well just erase it and rewrite it as things change you know so I've done that and then I got to the point where I didn't write it down I just would create that list in my head and, and time and again, I've just seen things manifest like that, where I, I did have some structure, but I understand what you're saying, because um, that was always kind of what, what held me back from uh, being specific about my dreams was, but what if, you know, there's more and I'm <laughs> limiting my thoughts? You know, I practiced manifesting for 20 years from uh-huh. the age of 27, conscious manifesting. And I really believed that I was, you know, steering the ship and that, that everything that I achieved was a result of this manifesting work that I used to do, like really strong manifesting work and big meditations, big visualizations, big creating big feelings. And then it felt to me like I woke up and I realized that the things that I was focusing on were coming anyway and that what I was tuning into was an interest that was created in the heart. I was tuning into something that my heart was leading me to and it was coming anyway and I could have saved myself a lot of incredible effort by just relaxing and receiving and then using planning to carry out things as they came and to like, you know, to, to, to receive the ideas and then plan from there. So it's, it's more, puts you in a more receptive frame of mind and, uh, and you, you waste a lot, a lot of time. And also you waste a lot of time creating false ends you know, so you might manifest, like really work on manifesting something and then something completely different happens and it takes you onto a, a totally different tangent, which turns out to be the right fork in the road to take. The Taoists believe that anything is possible, including miracles, and that when you open your heart, you open your world to endless possibilities. My audio guide, How to Attract Endless Possibilities, will teach you the exact steps to help you create your ideal life. And it's yours free when you sign up now at sataramoafi.com forward slash miracles. You'll learn the four pillars that will allow you to shift your internal experience so you can begin manifesting exactly what you want. The life of your dreams is closer than you think. Visit sataramoafi.com forward slash miracles to start creating it now. That's S-E-T-A-R-E-H-M-O-A-F-I dot com forward slash 
miracles. I think anything that we can imagine happening is automatically limited. Mm. So the reason I think that we desire things is that that's the mind is interpreting the desire as being about things or things that we should do. And really the sensation of desire is really only to expand. It's only to create a bigger consciousness. And it gets and the mind because the mind operates with um it can be very materialist. So it translates this this quest to expand. It translates into, oh, you want a new dress. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, there's a finite quality to, to that, right? Yeah. And it's not about the dress. It's about, oh, it's time to expand. So mm-hmm. what does that mean? So this, this desire, which you, your mind says it's a dress, that dress that you wanted, which is kind of ridiculous, it ends up being so, oh, you. it turns out to be like an, an invitation to teach in Israel or something. It's the same energy. Your mind just limited it. Mm. Actually, exactly, exactly that happened to me. But anyway. Really? <laughs> That's amazing. Your dress turned into a, to a, a teaching, teaching engagement. Opportunity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is much better. I'd much, much rather go to Tel Aviv and see. I've always been fascinated. But anyway. It just reminded me because I, I'm feeling in my body the difference between the manifestation that you're talking about and the reception, I guess, because I think the reception drives the mm-hmm. manifestation if we do it the right way or do it in a way that that really reinforces our expansion, which is for me, it's mm-hmm. always been, and then I avoid this at certain periods of my life and I never understand why, but it's doing more extended yoga practice for me is what gets me into that space where I can receive. So then inspiration just Mm. comes out of what seems like nowhere, but obviously it's coming from a more divine space. And then that information is what can drive the next manifestation. So instead of thinking about what I want, it's I'm receiving what my heart desires and then going into the planning or, you know, kind of shooting the arrow out. I like to think of the Sagittarius. I think you're a Sagittarius too. I have Sagittarius rising, but it's like pulling that, that bow and arrow and shooting that arrow out. Well, where are you shooting it to? You first have to know where the inspiration came to then say, okay, I'm ready for this. So I think that's, that's that's a good distinction. No, you said it beautifully. And that's what, that's what inspired my thought was feeling what you were describing, which is Receive, get into the space of receptivity, find how to cultivate that, whether it's through meditation practice. I think you have to quiet your mind for that to happen. For me, it's always yoga practice. I can't meditate enough and get there. I have to move my body. The mantra I have now at the moment all the time is how can I serve? And, you know, I can already hear people hearing that and say, oh, come on, that's very saccharine, very saccharine, (laughs) very contrived. But it's not actually, it's not at all. It's like, how can I serve? It could could be, well, it's time to take the trash out. could be that. Yeah, being of service, there's nothing wrong with that, Anne, because if you think about it, I think most of us are spending a lot of our time, like, how could we serve ourselves? You know, what are my needs? Mm. So to try to put ourselves 
beyond that is it's admirable. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing to try to focus on. Yeah, what is yeah. the greater good need of me, or what, how you don't can have I be to be used? too structured with that, though. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Where can I best be used as a vessel? That's also maybe a good way of framing it. Yes. How can I be used in this life today? Yes, and then if you make that request, or if you ask that question from an energetic state of joy you'll find that the way in which you're you're led or guided to be served uh, to be of service the way in which you're led to be of service involves a tremendous amount of joy hmm. and you know as we discovered before we did our interview today here with you and you're a fire type you know that's an important aspect of you and what that state, that's a fire statement. How could I be of service? Can you explain that oh. a little for people who don't oh, understand? Right? Yeah. In nine star key, the, the, the star number nine is the star of altruism and, and being of service. And that's the positive aspect of it. The other aspect would be to be a narcissist. You know, you could just be so caught up in yourself. You just want to be seen, right? And that's like the shadow side. The, the fame, yeah. The fame palace. You want to be noticed. Right, which is the opposite of being of service because your attention <laughs> is on yourself. Yeah, yeah. Well, because it's the prosperity palace, because, and that which is about sharing, right? Sharing of yourself. Hmm. So I have that as my. I have that as part of my chart too, where I've always, you know, that's why we are in this work, right? With the part of what brings us joy is to be of service. And I think the shadow side of that nine is so deceptive because the desire for fame and recognition shuts down your joy because it can never really truly be fulfilled anyway. There's never enough of that once you get on that track. Oh, the Kardashian syndrome (laughs) or the Trump syndrome. (laughs) It's never enough. Yeah, the mind gets on that track and it does this uh, spiral inward, right, instead of a spiral outward. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. how I think of narcissism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the person is spiraling inward and inward. Yeah. yeah. And that's a yin chow mai issue. We've <laughs> <laughs> been speaking about yin chow mai. Narcissism can be a ren mai issue too. Often those people were neglected. Yeah. They were maybe at worst neglected at birth, yeah. neglected as a toddler, neglected for extended periods under the age of seven or eight. Yeah. So the narcissism is a, a manifestation of the belief that nobody cares about me. And so now I'm going to control people so that they have to care about me. I'm oh, going to that's force an interesting people way of looking at it. Longing, longing for connection. Trying too hard to connect. Right. I'm going to trick you. Yeah. And I'm going to trick you into wanting to be with me. Mm. That's narcissism. It's a very interesting phenomenon. Which is interesting from an acupuncture perspective because uh, the Ren Mai and Yin Cha Mai have often been considered uh, coupled pairs, you know. Right. Yes. Mm. Yeah. So the heart in Chinese medicine its function is to spread the chi. 
isn't it interesting that we want to just spread our chi into the world? And that's what's ultimately what's going to bring us joy is by spreading and sharing and being prosperous and altruistic. That's what cultivates joy. Well, Satara's nine-star key chart is that she's basically (laughs) like a triple mother. And she has a lot of twos in her chart. So two is the, is like the earth mother, but it's fire earth. It's driven by a lot of fire. So Setra wants to take care of everybody. <laughs> so her challenge How is How better to, than be an acupuncturist, right? Yeah. She makes a good acupuncturist and counselor. But the challenge there is, is right, is like the mother syndrome is not to take care of yourself. So mm-hmm. it's easy to, to get caught up being the mother for others. You lose a sense of your own, you know, your own needs. Yeah. You got to take care of yourself before you can help others. Mm-hmm. Well, I love that you're touching on this topic of the nine star key since it's going to be in your upcoming book. It's yeah. nice to hear you talk about it because I think that's part of the manifestation too, is as you start to express and share the aspects that are going to be something that you're going to share in yeah. more depth. And we could talk more about it in other episodes. Other episodes. <laughs> so, Anne, it's been a lovely discussion today. And so nice yeah, to see your great. face as always. Yeah. It's great um, to see you too. We heard about what inspires you. What would you like to inspire others with before we, we close? What is something that you want to leave listeners with? Oh, um, oh gosh. I think what's on my mind at the moment is what I'm advising patients to do in general at the moment is to notice their emotions and to notice the, that the emotion that they're feeling is coming from within them, that the emotion that they're feeling is a result of what they're thinking, what they're believing, and to note the location of that emotion in their body mm. and what they've they will find is that the location in their body is absolutely congruent with where they feel uncomfortable, where their pathology is, where their complaint is. Yeah, that's great. And, and I think that's, yeah, that's, that's a bit somber, isn't it, to end on? No, not, I think, actually, I, not think not, I think not, Anne, because uh, that's the biofeedback. It's to go there. And, and notice and and then just give it some love. Just find peace with it. Yes. Yes. Or to find out what that message is, right? Just like my heel. What is yes. what's the meaning of this? Right. And to go into a meditation, which so some people when they hear the word meditation, they they think, Oh God, I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. I have never had a teacher or whatever. And really meditation simply means to close your eyes and focus on your breathing. That's all you yeah. need to do. Go into a state and of relaxation. Bring, yes, and it, and bring the attention to where that emotion is lodged in the body and then just put your hand on that area and exactly as you said, send it a lot of love and watch it just melt away. Mm-hmm. It can happen. Yeah, so this it, is powerful yeah. self-healing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think if 
if the world engaged in that very simple practice for a few minutes a day, it, it would be a very different world. Well, I'm sure individuals who listen today, mm-hmm. their individual world will be very different by listening to your talk. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And also just leaving with that thought of how empowering it can be to make those connections on your own rather than rely. I mean, of course, it's great to get the support of a, of a healer or practitioner, but to know that you can do so much for yourself is, is so empowering. It really starts there though, Anne, where, where you're going yes. with that, because we could do all the acupuncture, all the, they could do all the therapies. And if they find it's not working for them, it's because they're not going to that place that you're talking about. They're not finding out. They're not getting the message. What's yes. the meaning behind their, their illness or dis-ease? Yes. That's really the and best way. Dis, it's a dis-ease in mind, body, and, and soul, yes. right? Or spirit. Yes. Dis-ease. Yes, exactly. And then what the beauty of that is if people engage in that, when they come to the office and they have a treatment, that there are no breaks on the treatment. The treatment is so much more potent if a person mm-hmm. is doing this daily cultivation. And then because the, the potential of acupuncture is utterly limitless. It has to be limitless because the channels are limitless. Mm-hmm. So the channels go they extend from both ends of the body throughout all space and time. So if a person remove those blockages from their thinking, when they come into the office and you needle into the channel, they have a potential for like literally enlightenment. That is theoretically possible once they've unhooked their mind, then acupuncture can take you all the way to to feeling absolutely free. It's a beautiful thing. What we do is unbelievably powerful. And the more we think about it in materialist terms, the more we limit it. We, I think as a profession, we really need to consider thinking about it in a much, much more expansive way. And I, I think we've done that today. And and you've really uh, facilitated that very nicely. Thanks. Well, that's why I love talking to you both because that's, that's where you're at. And um, and I really admire what you're doing with your podcast. It's, it's huge. It's really mm-hmm. huge. Congratulations. Thank you. And thanks and so been, much. I'm so honored. That means a lot. Your reverence for the medicine and your respect for its endless capacity is very inspiring and very empowering, I think, all at once, both to practitioners and to patients and anybody listening. Because when you know that anything's possible, then it... Anything is possible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when you believe that, yes. then it is. It yeah. is so. <laughs> yes, yeah. simple. Keep it simple. Yeah. Keep it simple, silly. Yeah. And laugh yeah. a lot. Yeah. All right, Anne. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you so much. And we've reached the end of this incredible, insightful two-part episode with Anne Cecil Sturman on the power of intention. If you haven't done so already, I really, really want to hear from you. So visit a centerfornaturalhealing.com forward slash intention and let us know in the comments on that page 
what the biggest takeaway you had from this episode or from this series of episodes. We want to know exactly what this sparked in you because our intention with this podcast is really to start provoking you to think differently, to feel differently, and to experience your life more expansively. And we really hope that this episode helps you to move more deeply on your journey to wellness. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Natural Healing Podcast. It's always a pleasure and a delight to have you here. We look forward, as always, to having you join us next time. Hey, if you haven't already done so, be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. This ensures that we can share this invaluable information with more listeners just like you.